everyone for joining me for another podcast episode in my USNA Mid Moms and More podcast series that is for USNA parents as we go through the journey to help us navigate what comes along. It complements the topics that are covered in my book, a USNA Moms Journal. There may be topics that are current to us as USNA parents that are not in my book. And the goal is for us to learn and to be able to navigate this for your journey by the bay more successfully. So welcome. And today my special guest is a very, very dear friend. We met in South Bend. I'm going to let her tell you the rest of the story. Just welcome to my podcast and thank you so much for giving up your time to be here for Navy Parents today. Thank you for inviting me and having me. I, I honestly feel really special. You <laughs> this are special. My, oh, this is my first podcast. So I'm super excited to be here. And honestly, thank God for Indiana, because if it wasn't for Indiana, we never would have met. That's right. So we met through Notre Dame and we actually lived in the same uh, neighborhood. We're neighbors. Maybe we were like a few doors down from each other. I think we met by accident. We were walking the dogs. I think I was walking mine and you were walking yours and I had a USMC hoodie on and you were like, oh, is your husband in the military? And I said, actually he is. He's teaching at Notre Dame. And you said, oh, as a matter of fact, my son is there. And so it it became a thing. You've been uh, friends for the past few years, really treasure your friendship. And I can say that I've learned a lot from you. I have had a lot of mentors throughout my years as a Navy mom and really have learned a lot from you because it's from the other side. So our kids are officers, but you're married to an enlisted. Mm -hmm. And so you help me really to see things from the other perspective. Well, what can an officer do to relate to an enlisted person better, to help them, to be an advocate for them. Because I always say that officers, one of their main jobs is to be an advocate for their men and women and to make sure they have everything they need. As we got to know each other, and your story is so interesting, how many years have you been involved with the Marine Corps as a spouse? And you've had a lot of different roles, like FRA and a lot of other acronyms that I have no idea what they mean because I'm not, <laughs> not in that world. So you can explain them to us. And, and you've also, if you can tell us about the deployments, how many deployments have you survived as a Marine spouse? So my husband and I have been married for 16 years and we are currently on our fifth deployment. Um, we also did a 12-month unaccompanied tour while he was in Japan. My youngest son has uh, some medical issues, so we were unable to go. So he spent 12 months there, and we're almost finished with our fifth deployment. It's interesting when you think of, I obviously have no idea of how the officer side of things, how you guys do that. I know that really at the core of everything is it all comes down to leadership. As a matter of fact, he just got done teaching a Lance Corporal seminar, and he said, that he didn't have a guest speaker. So he made the speech and he said this quote that he used, and it was a a quote about leadership and it was just lead how you would want to be led. And essentially that's what it came down to. Whether it's the Marine Corps or the Navy, you get my husband, for example, you know, he's been in for almost 17 years. Mm -hmm. So he obviously has a lot of knowledge, a lot of leadership skills. He's been through different wars. He's kind of seen these different things. And then you get a lieutenant or ensign. 
I think ensign for on the Navy side, and I think it's second lieutenant on the second lieutenant. side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you get, you know, he and he always says, you know, you get these officers, you know, and he's like total respect. They, you know, they went to college, they did their thing. I've noticed, like, we were at the Marine Corps ball last year, and um, there was this second lieutenant, sweetest guy, and you could tell he had so much respect for my husband, and it was just always asking him, like when you do this, how do we do that? Or what do you think about this? And it was one of those things where I realized that it wasn't necessarily the fact that mine was enlisted or he was an officer. It was the years and the amount of time you've been in and all the things you've accumulated and you're able to pass those down. And really that's what leadership is based on. Uh, and I've noticed that just on the spouse side, just seeing men and women lead in different, different ranks. When my husband was on the drill field, he was a, at the time, he was, he was a drill sergeant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very scary. Very scary. Not to me. I laughed, but everybody else, it was scary. But I remember specifically, even on the drill field, there's kind of a hierarchy, if you will. You have a senior drill instructor, you have a heavy. So what's, think, a he what's a heavy? Okay. So your senior drill instructor is kind of in charge of your platoon. And then you have a heavy, which is, I think on the West Coast, they call it a J, which is really your experienced drill instructor. So they're okay. not a senior yet, but you know, they've made their way through. And then uh, we affectionately referred to the third hat as a kill hat uh, because their job, their job would be to make guys cry. They work them out. They, you know, <laughs> IT them, they do all the things, um, but they also teach a lot of like history and that kind of thing. And then if there is another drill instructor, like a fourth hat, their job is to create chaos. And that's what the Marines do best is they create chaos. So but it was really interesting when my husband made his way up through there. And at the time, I think he was a heavy and a friend of ours who was actually a sergeant had become a senior drill instructor in another platoon. Mm -hmm. And after he completed that, my husband came up and he was going to be a senior. He went to the sergeant was like, hey, man, you got any tips? You've been a senior. Is there any way that you can help me? And I remember when this sergeant got promoted to staff sergeant, he said during his promotion that he had never had a staff NCO approach him and say, do you have any advice for me? Is there any way, is there anything that you can teach me? And I think that leadership point of you can always learn, you, you never know everything. You can always learn and you can always learn from people who come from different places and different, different backgrounds. And that's what I've learned as a spouse. It doesn't matter if somebody's done one deployment or 800 deployments, you can always learn and you always grow. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from I've seen from the officer because officers, you know, especially the ones kind of fresh out of college, they don't have uh, necessarily experience in right. like where, where my husband would have 17 years. He went to Iraq, he did those things. So when it comes to like training and you've been in a real world situation, there's really a leadership standpoint where they can really learn on the job ground level training where they wouldn't necessarily get that at the Naval Academy or right. at University of Notre Dame, any of those things. So I think just really listening, somebody always has more knowledge than you or knows something different than you or could have some advice that you hadn't thought of, you know? That's a great point because I remember when my oldest got to his ship right after he commissioned from the Naval Academy and he took uh, three weeks basket leave and on June 27th, he was on his ship and he called us three nights in a row. And I knew there was something wrong because he never called and he was so overwhelmed. He said, mom, dad, I'm standing there and there are 
over 80 sailors that are looking at me for leadership and to tell them what to do. And I have no clue. I just left the Naval Academy and I just got to the ship. I remember just reminding him, well, ask your master chief, ask your warrant officer, find out from the people that are actually doing the job. How does this work? Can you show me? And, and I think that sense of desire to learn and taking that personal interest in what each person does and really acknowledging that they're good at what they do and that you can learn from them goes such a long way, I think, Absolutely. in establishing a relationship between the, the officer and, and, and his enlisted crew or his enlisted men and women, and then starting to develop that trust because they all have to have their back, right? Absolutely. And that's, that's super important. And you made a good point, the all on the officer side, really understanding what each person's job is and what they're there for and what their knowledge is because the enlisted, they, they go through, I, I know on the Marine Corps side, my husband recently has joined the uh, grunt side, if you will, of the Marine Corps. Can you explain uh, what grunt is, please, for um, those of us that are not fully vested <laughs> into Marine uh, lore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So grunts are 0311s, as they call them. They're the masses. They're the guys that go out in a battalion and, and they they shoot things. <laughs> That's their job. I always laugh when I talk about like grunts in general. And sometimes I, I make comments like, you know, that's their job. Their job is to shoot things, but really, especially now seeing the side of like a, a real grunt battalion, the, especially the company my husband's currently with, they are known for really like their bravery and they really live their job. They go out and they'll, they'll hike 25 miles with a 75 pound pack on their back. And they'll make camp for four days out in the wilderness and they really live their job and their job is training. And my husband's job is really taking care of Marines. That's what he does. He makes sure that they have what they need. Their families have what they need. When you hit a certain rank, you kind of split off in the Marine Corps. You can stay in your job or you can do what my husband does and really take care of Marines. He was going to be an officer. My husband wanted to do the MESEP program. He wanted to get paid to go to college and become an officer. And he really wanted it until he became a drill instructor. And then he was like, my calling is to take care of Marines. That's what I want to do. So that's what he did. And really learning the jobs. I have like pictures of him actually doing what they do, even in the grunt unit. And so sometimes they'll, he'll be like, Hey, can I try that? Or can you, can you tell me about that? And it's always a learning, the more knowledge you have, the better leader you're going to be, um, the more you can understand why they're doing that or their thought process. Even at my job, um, I work at a veterinary hospital. And when I hire people, I train them. So when I go back and I see maybe something I think might be a mistake, I know their thought process because I've done that job. I learned that job. I know what their thought process, why they did it that way. And I think that's the big takeaway. They have different jobs. Officers have different jobs than the enlisted guys have. And, but understanding the job and why they do those things, I think it's a huge plus. Yes. And I think it, it, it helps the officer to be a better leader when yes. we do that. And I remember many, many years ago, Ross Perot was being interviewed and he said, don't tell somebody how to push a broom if you haven't pushed a broom yourself. So I, I think for a new officer to come in with that perspective of not, I'm going to change things because you first, you have to learn the culture. You have to learn the context, what has been going on, what do they need? What are maybe some of the problems that are being faced by their specific area? And then learning and speaking to each individual and really getting to learn about their jobs and getting to know them more on a, a slightly personal level 
I think goes a long way. And so that is something that actually I was very proud of my oldest because he said, you know, I did not, first of all, he hated at the Naval Academy when, when his detailers would yell at him. So I think, uh, uh, I think uh, your husband and my son would probably not have gotten along when he was younger. (laughs) Um, And so he decided to go in a different way. And I, and I, and I, you know, and I mentioned to him, I said, well, if you don't like that type of leadership, then decide what type of leader you're going to be when it's your turn. And Mm -hmm. so he was a very quiet, very kind of intense uh, stare. Uh, And I think that was even more intimidating than yelling at times. Um, And then the same thing when he went out into the fleet, didn't want to go in thinking he knew everything because he was very book smart. But like you mentioned before, he wasn't experienced, hands-on experience smart. So he went in from the perspective, I'm going to learn as much as possible. And I can't walk in saying, hey, I'm going to make all these changes when I really don't know what's going on. And when I don't know the people, I don't know the dynamics between the leadership and and, and each individual person. So I think that's very important what you're talking about, just the learning and really being an an advocate for your people and and with what your husband does working with Marines and advocating for his units. I'll give you an example. When they come home from deployment, everybody gets their leave time. Mine is leaving and going to a new unit. We were not going to be able to have any leave time, which was kind of a bummer. You know, they were gone for six months. It'd be nice to be home for a couple of weeks. His Sergeant Major room was like, yes, don't worry about it. Like, we're going to make sure you have that time home. Well, one of his staff sergeants was immediately being sent to a schoolhouse. They had had some family loss. They were told, sorry, Charlie, he's got to leave immediately. That's never good news. You know, the, the, we always say, you know, you embrace the suck in the Marine Corps and yes, yes. the schoolhouse is, is they, they hold it three or four times a year. Uh-huh. And so my husband was like, it's really not a great time. And their family has been through a lot. And mm-hmm. it would be really nice if he was able to mentally and emotionally recover, especially with the COVID restrictions, the Marines aren't coming home when there's loss and when there's struggles, which again, it's no fault of anybody's. It's just the way it is now. He didn't get the chance to be with his family and, um, and heal from that. And my husband was really an advocate and got him a different date. You know, we're human and I get it. Trust me. After almost 17 years, I get it. I always joke that my husband's married to the Marine Corps and I'm the mistress because (laughs) I get the leftover time that he has, like the drill field, for example, when you leave the drill field, you're really supposed to have kind of your pick of duty stations after that, because it is a, a huge duty that a lot of marriages don't survive. So they give you your pick and, and we got unaccompanied 12 month orders immediately after the <laughs> but like, that's just the way that the cr- cookie crumbles in the Marine Corps. And so sometimes it sucks, but when you stop and think your morale the way that your people view you, you know, that little bit of empathy and that little bit of fight that they can give their men, because you really, you know, you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors and you, and, you know, military members, especially struggle with (laughs) mental health issues and, and really grieving. And, you know, there's, they, they cover it up with alcohol or nicotine. And if somebody would have just been like, Hey, he really needs to go home and like hug his mom and get, get that closure. And I think good leaders will fight for that when they're able to, there was times that there's really nothing that they can do. It It goes above their head. And there are instances, for example, with my husband and this guy, he was like, does he, he doesn't have to go to this school right now. Can't he, can he wait three months? And it, it was determined. Yeah. You know what? You're right. 
And so I think those little instances of, of really digging in for the people when you can, I think as a, in any sort of leadership position, especially the all on the officer side, when they, you know, it's not necessarily all work, no play, you know, and I understand, you know, there's the whole fraternization, but you can, you, you can still be human and a good leader and have empathy and all of that. You can have that whole package. And I think the advice you gave your son, because anytime you pick up a new rank, I know when my husband picked this one up, but he was anxious, you know, he was like, I've had so many good ones in the past. How do I live up to that expectation of these other people? I want to be great like that guy. And I was like, but you're not that guy. Your personality isn't like that guy. You're going to have to find the medium place that will make you a good leader. And that's just who you are as a person. I think yeah. my husband and your son are, would they have that broody sort of quietness and he lets people talk. And that's why he married me. I'm the talker of the family. And- I couldn't tell it all. I couldn't tell it all. <laughs> I'm the outgoing one, but those are important. That's that's awesome. That's great. That's great insight that don't really necessarily consider. So that's great insight. That's what we're here for, right? To to help each other. We have each other's back. Mm -hmm. And and like you said, to be human. So you've survived so many deployments and and being a mom with two small kids. Can you go through one or two strategies that have helped you to survive these deployments? Because at times I know they've been long and things have happened. So how, and what support did you find? I'll start with our first. So our first, our first deployment, he deployed when I was 16 weeks pregnant. We had moved to North Carolina. I was alone. I mean, I was 19 pregnant, literally knew nobody. Um, happened to make friends with literally my neighbor who lived in the same house as me. That was my first deployment. I had no idea what was going on. And I really focused on our baby. I didn't so much mind the deployment. He was in Iraq at the time. So it was very nerve wracking because this was back in like 2006. So it was still very much a war. I was very naive and just, it was one day at a time. It was focused on keeping myself healthy and keeping the baby healthy until he got home. And by the grace of God, he made it home alive. Then our second one, I had our son and he was a toddler at the time. And I was lucky enough to actually have a job and he went to daycare. So, you know, my job really helped the time go by a little quicker. And I think, um, I think maybe the key to deployments in general is to not stay home all the time is make plans, go out with your friends or have something to look forward to on a, on a shorter basis. Not, not that long, um, that long haul, you know, my employed in November this time, and now it's um, April. And I can tell you, I distinctly remember it being Thanksgiving, not having my husband and being like, this is going to be a long, long holiday season. And (laughs) so it's really, you know, keeping busy. The third deployment, we were in Arizona and I had two kids at the time. So, and I worked a little bit too. So I struggled a lot with balancing being there for the oldest and then really being in the hospital. I was super lucky to have an aunt and uncle who lived in that town. So they were a great asset. Um, you know, use those when you have them, the, the military will bring people in even sometimes just for a short amount of time. And you might never physically see them again, but I can tell you those people that are there in that moment, they make such a difference. And so he came home from that deployment and it was really just having kids in general was busy work all the time. After that, we did the year long unaccompanied tour in Japan. And I won't lie, that was a lot. I was used to six to eight month deployments, 12 months. 
boy, the boys were older. I ended up coming up with this idea. You know, they have the daddy pillow things and it's like a whole picture pillow that they can sleep with. And I was like, we should take that with us. And when we go somewhere special, we can pull that out. So instead of using this pillow that would probably get dirty, I ended up just printing out an eight by 10 photo of my husband and I laminated it and I just cut around it and I stuck a paint stick on the back of it. And is that how stick daddy was born? That's how stick daddy was born. And we lived in South Dakota during that time. So we would take stick daddy to Mount Rushmore. The boys stood up on the wall and we put stick daddy up with kind of like you know, a for fathers, a hundred percent flat daddy. And so we, we took him everywhere and it, it kind of became a thing. Now my friends and family, you know, they crack up when they see stick daddy, or we had a a halfway deployment party with the unit and bowling party. And so we brought stick daddy and sure enough, we took a picture uh, with stick daddy at the bowling alley. And we're like, Hey, halfway done, like so excited. And so, um, you know, and stick daddy has now carried over his fourth deployment was to Korea and we were in North Carolina at the time. And it was the same thing. I was lucky enough to find my career at that point. So I worked, the boys went to school. You know, it was a really good time because I was really focused on kind of my career. And then the boys had school and we had stick daddy. So when we did our things, we would do pictures. The boys were in sports. It's really, and the same with this time, you know, I'm continuing my career now. My kids have school. The oldest is looking at studying for his learner's permit, which I can't even. Can't fathom him driving. Oh my gosh. Driving. Driving. I can't. So it's, it's, it's really throughout each deployment, you'll kind of find the thing that kind of keeps you going. Really mine's my job and my kids. We went to Universal Studios today for spring break. Women ask me, they're like, how do you do about your husband like don't you just don't you just miss him yeah I miss him every day but I'm also we say embrace the suck you embrace yeah. it. it is what it is and yeah. I think people all the time I had um a friend of mine her husband's actually a warrant officer in the Marine Corps and he just got unaccompanied orders to Japan and she wrote me on Facebook and was like I don't know how to do this what I don't she's like I don't even I think they have like five kids which bless them she's like I just don't know what to do this how do you get through knowing a whole year is going to go by right and I told her there's no there's no fix it there's no band-aid there's no glue that holds it together you're the glue you it's you there's no magic spell that you can cast you have to wake up every day and feed your kids sometimes they'll have cereal for dinner and that's fine whatever it takes for you to get through that's what it takes. I was like, you'll wake up, you'll make your kids breakfast. You'll get them to school. You'll go to work and you'll come home and you'll repeat the next day because it's not the end of the world. The the guys, they signed up for it. And my husband loves his job. He loves being a Marine and I support it. And if I want to be a part of the journey, then I'm going to stick it out. When I got pregnant in North Carolina, our first deployment, he left and I was 16 weeks pregnant. Right. Mm -hmm. I remember reading this quote, and it said, you never know how strong you are until strong is the only choice you have. I and, that quote. and I lived by that quote because I know right now, if, if I need to go grocery shopping, well, guess what? Ain't nobody else here. Who's going to go grocery shopping. I'm the <laughs> one that's got to do it. So if you need it to get done, you, you have to do it. You and have to do it. Yeah. Part of that for a long time was I wanted him to be proud of me. I wanted 
him to be able to be like, my wife slays deployments. When I'm gone, she pays the bills. She sends the kids to school. She raises our kids. I want him to be like, my wife is bomb.com. Like she can get the strongest person I know. That's really what I wanted. I wanted, because what's the reality is it's always harder on the military member. They don't get to see their kids grow up. They don't get to be home and see their kids' faces when they open presents. So they don't get to make these memories. And that's where Stick Daddy came in. Stick Daddy was there in spirit that let him know, hey, we're thinking about you. We wish you were here. And they get, I think they also get, because uh, my husband and I went through this, uh, not a military deployment, but he had to work overseas for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And he, he almost gets, uh, they almost get disconnected from the family in a sense. So I remember that the kids and I had to become this well-oiled machine to function yep. without him. And then when he would come home, cause he would come like for a few days. Chaos would ensue, right? Oh my gosh. He's <laughs> like, I feel like I'm like throwing a, a wrench in these well-oiled cogs. Like, I feel like I don't fit anymore. Mm-hmm. And when he finally came home, we really had to sit down and talk about how things were going to work, like kind of rearrange ourselves to fit him in again. Yeah. And I can, and I, and that gave me such empathy for military families and mil- military spouses because you're, you're single because you're alone, but yeah. you're married because you're married and you're a mom, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm it, alone, mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then it became so important to find that network. I had a friend that I would not have survived mm-hmm. his his being away without this friend to help me and to help me pick up the slack. You know, my mom who would drive up every once in a while and bring us food so I wouldn't have to cook, just different things like that. So from your perspective, what support is available? Cause I know you had mentioned fraud. So like, like family, something. So something. Uh, it's been changed since okay. the last time I saw you. So the froze were the family readiness officers. Okay. Um, and they were basically for the family. They have an office, they work with the Marines and um, I'm sure the Navy has the same thing. I just don't know what they're called, but I don't know either. That's a good thing for me to find out if there is one. Ours, for example, she is retired Marine Corps. So she has a great grasp of obviously active duty and the, the spouse side as well. And they hold events. They're there. If you need direction, the Marine Corps still has these courses they call links and it's an acronym. I don't know what it means. Is but that for like, is that for Marine spouses? Yes. It's okay, for Marine so spouses. yeah, we have, we have that uh, on the Navy side as well. It teaches you the basic. I know my husband's job. I know his rank. I know what company he's at. Like the basic things that you would want to know about your spouse. But the fro is really that person who, if you have a death in the family and your husband's deployed, that's the person you would call. They have the, you know, the red cross. They know exactly how to get you through whatever you're going through. They have all the resources. I volunteered as a fra, which is, was a family readiness assistant while my husband was on the drill field. And so for the, our company I put together, it was a a non-paid position. It was a volunteer, but I put together all of the, the get togethers that we would have with our drill instructors. Um, And, you know, the, the spouses would be like, what's the phone number to uh, the appointment line at Naval? Don't worry. I got you girl, because you'll never, everybody will always ask you, I need the maintenance line. I need the appointment line, like help. And these are just little things. If you have one source that you can reach out to, right, right, right. They can have that. So that your fro or your, they're called DRCs now deployment readiness coordinators or something. No. Uh, Yeah. Maybe. Sure. We'll go with that. (laughs) DRC uh, coordinator. And so I didn't know that until we, when we came back from Indiana, 
Okay. I was like, oh, you must be the fro. And they were like, no, it's DRC. And I was like, uh, what's the difference? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's the well, same. And that, just, and that just kind of goes to show that when the other thing that, that we've learned as a military family is that when the service member serves, whether they're officer or enlisted or what have you, mm-hmm. the family serves too. Because you're having to pick up the slack at home. Uh, you know, the kids are having to, to help out more, you know, um, you're worried at times or so when when we have someone on active duty that's out there deployed serving, we're in a way serving too. we're we're doing yeah. and you know, a, a job. I think a lot of the family side too is, for example, we all know what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. Mm-hmm. And I won't lie, I had some spouses over at my house when the president came out to speak about it because there was this big boulder on our chest of what does this mean for our guys right now not the guys that are here at home but the ones who are already away it's glued to the tv waiting and and there is a lot of of stress and more recently a spouse has said to me we lost some marines in an osprey incident in romania Mm -hmm. not too long ago and they were training and they died. And she said to me, you know, everybody always talks about the deployment part of being a spouse. And in the Marine Corps, about two years ago, we lost like six or seven guys out in the ocean training, training. These are just, they're just training. But earlier when I told you that the guys that were with, like they live, they train the way, like they train for their job, but they literally live their job. And And that's what it means when they go out training for two weeks, Oh, they're just training, but the danger is real, but the danger is real. And it's always there. And I push it aside. I I learned really early on in in my marriage to kind of put feelings in a box and put it on a shelf. And then when I'm able to pull that off the shelf and actually deal with it, because Mm -hmm. I, you can't, you can't be a, a really good mom and have extreme feelings at the same time that you have to really have strength of character to suck that in and do what you have to do for your family and then take a shower at, at the end of the night and cry your eyes out, which is what yeah. I do. <laughs> so so you you have to compartmentalize in a sense. Definitely. Definitely. Right. And you know, you always want what's best for your kids and it's hard because you're like, I want my husband here. Anything, our hot water heater exploded on Christmas Eve this last year. Oh gosh. Deployment curse. Right. And we not only did it explode on Christmas Eve, I had to stay up until four in the morning by myself, cleaning all this water damage, making sure it didn't hit our tree. And then I had to wrap, you know, Santa's presents and do all the things and, and still make it so that when my children woke up, they had a Christmas day. Right. And so you have to think, and it was, I was, I hadn't slept. I was exhausted. Emergency maintenance had been in my house. Then we found out we had to move into a temporary home so they could fix the damage done in this one. And so here I'm like, I have a full-time job. I have two kids in school. I'm moving to another, like all those things happen. And then you're alone Mm -hmm. and you really, I mean, I can't say my attitude has always been like gung ho. I got this because I'm human and I'm definitely not that way, but it's, it's still that mentality. If you don't do it, who's going to nobody. And you got to do it your resources don't have to always be the military because sometimes you get sick of it. Sometimes you're like, if I hear one more acronym, I'm going to lose my mind. So it's kind of talking to Navy parents. Um, when, when I know when mine was deployed, 
there's there's not much we could do except say you know send a care package and mm-hmm. and maybe when they were near land they would send an email so we'd be able to email hey what do you need uh, is there anything else in your toolbox that can help parents to support their officers when they're deployed or even there I, I remember one time we sent a huge I don't know how it got there a huge box and it was filled with all these snacks so that our son could share with his enlisted, not even with his fellow like officers in the wardroom, but with his enlisted. And that went over really, really well. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, honestly, I, I haven't sent any care packages this deployment, mostly because they were on a ship for a very long time. So the odds that the package will actually make it to the ship and not fall into the ocean aren't great. <laughs> so at this point, at this point don't tell us that. Hey guys, remember that embrace the suck? I'm dropping it like a tot right now. So <laughs> sometimes the truth of the matter is these boxes have to fly over the ocean and sometimes they don't always make it. That's why it's, it's really, it's really important to send the things that, that food, like things that, you know, don't cost a lot of money because my husband, again, this is our fifth one. So he, he's like, there isn't anything that you can send me that I can't necessarily walk down to the exchange and buy myself. But I will tell you his first deployment, I sent a box every month and well, probably his first, the first three deployments, I would send a box every month and I would decorate it. So when he opened it, it would have like on each side, it would have like a handwritten note and like a picture of us, like little things that that he would, that I knew would make him smile. His, you know, Christmas, I sent his favorite little Hershey kiss candy cane, Uh the peppermint. So I filled, I just dumped them all in there and, and there was enough. Literally, he just set the box out. The great thing too, is I think every military parent, spouse, aunt and uncle, when you send packages, when you, and by all means, send them like, don't listen to me. If the package will probably get there, (laughs) (laughs) they're going to share what they have. And I think a lot of that comes down to like a unity and a camaraderie there. They don't just like hoard all their food or hoard their energy drinks. Everybody could use chocolate. Sometimes they're deployed, give them a little serotonin release, just pop them full of some Hershey's and like, and so that's important. I think care packages are great. When my kids were little, especially, you know, things with handprints or I would print out pictures. They're 42 cents at Walmart. You can print out a four by six and mail it. So I did that a lot. Um, And back then too, back then, I feel feeling my age right now. But, you know, back in the day, we would, we would do that. And, and really a lot of it is communicating with your military member, what, what they would like from you. And I, that's what I asked mine when he left, I was like, do you want me to send you care packages every month? Cause I'll do it. Like, don't threaten me with a good time. I will make you a care package and it will be a good one. He's like, as much as I would love to get one, it, it's just time consuming for you. We're at our fifth one. We have stick daddy. We send photos, but he's. <laughs> You know, he, he's just like, it's don't, it's fine. But we, but I have family members who are like, no, I'm sending him one. And I'm like, here's the address by all means. And I think that's the one thing to remember as a parent, man, if you want to send that, send it like hundred percent, send it. They're probably going to share it. Like they're probably going to be like, Hey guys, look what my parents just sent me. Or look what my fiance sent me. Look what my, my kids sent me this private things. I would keep to a minimum. Cause you never know who's going to open that box. Right. Or gonna get opened. So act like your parents are going to look in the box and, and send only things you would like your parents to look at. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a, that's great advice. Uh, kind of pivoting a little bit. You mentioned before things in the news, and I know when our son was deployed, there were many things in the news that caused us to worry, mm-hmm. uh, but we clung to the saying, no news is good news. 
percent. Of course, we all we prayed up a storm. You know, our family is a family of faith, so that is important to us. When things get difficult, how were you able to handle? You you mentioned a little bit beforehand, but how do you hand? How did you handle those situations? And what advice about that can you give to parents? Honestly, you know, anytime something happens, any sort of news, you know, the news. The news is a good thing and a bad thing. They will sensationalize. They'll throw it up on the screen. They'll, they, they'll make it this huge thing. And obviously we'll, we'll use Ukraine and Russia. That's what's currently going on. It was scary when I woke up and I saw that Russia had invaded Ukraine. It was shocking really on a huge level because we don't live in a world where that you don't just invade other countries because you right. want that country. Of course, your first, your gut reaction is, is instant panic. What's going to happen now? Because humans hate the unknown. We we loathe not knowing what's going to happen. Right. And um, I am no different. So I think the, the big things to keep in mind is unless Russia had literally just dropped a bomb on where our guys were, nothing immediate is going to happen. You know, when it comes, when it comes to other countries, as, as has been proven, we aren't going to just jump on the bandwagon. Generally deployments are made ahead of time. And usually they're, they're things that are repeated and they're for a reason. So generally things like another country invading another country, those aren't just things off on a whim that they'll just send guys to go do and not in the generalization of the military. And I think the important thing is to really understand that this is what our guys are trained for. And this is what they signed up to do. And my husband, when he re-enlisted on the drill field, he re-enlisted. And I have a picture of him holding his re-enlistment thing and us in the car. And I have this face like, what did we do? You enlisted again. Like, why, why, why did we do this? And there's this, it's the funniest picture. And I distinctly remember driving home asking him, it's been 12 years. Like, why'd you do that again? (laughs) I'm not even kidding. He turned to me and he said, Jesse. If I don't do it, who's going to? Oh my gosh, you're giving me chills right now. He literally, that was his thing. If if I'm not willing to sign up and and he said, and I view it as I'm I'm protecting you and the boys. I'm protecting my family. I'm protecting where I grew up. I'm protecting the country that I live in and the country that I support in a country that I view as great. And I want to protect what we have. He said, and if, if I don't do it, he's going to, and that's what I think of. And I know people join the military for different reasons. Some people join because they don't have anywhere else to go. Some people join because they want to go to college. Some people join because they want to be doctors or nurses and thank God for corpsmen. I have not met a corpsman that I didn't like. I will say, I, I don't know many Navy. I don't know a whole lot of people in the Navy, but I will tell you the docs that serve with the Marines, they are Marines favorite sailors. You have to remember that they signed up for a reason. They all signed for different reasons, but I can't imagine a military member joining because they it's for any other reason than they love their country. And I think that we don't agree on certain aspects of maybe leadership or politics in our country, but we all agree that what we have is worth protecting. And I think that's something that you have to remember as a parent or a spouse or a child is that they signed up for a reason. And when these things happen, like, don't get me wrong. There's been times where I've been like, man, I don't know how much longer I can listen to the news when they're deployed. They're always flying or sailing and they're on some sort of mechanical device. And so when you hear there's a crash and it's really the worst feeling you'll learn the instant relief when you find out the unit it's with the relief is so immense. And at the exact same moment, 
the grief for the other side, for the people that you don't know. And that's the thing is you, you really have to remember they signed up knowing full well that they're going to deploy. And with deployment, just like with training, there's a risk and you really just have to be strong and understand that you love them and this is what they're going to do. And you support them and supporting them means embracing the suckiest part of the job. And this is the suckiest part of the job. This the deployment, the watching the news, you know, my husband has never once been like, Oh, I can't believe you took the boys to universal without me. Or, Oh, I can't believe you went to go see that movie, that living, that really getting to be free and, and living in a country where we're really safe. No, this is what he signed up so that his family can do that. We can do it. And I think, I think the big thing, you're going to be scared always. I don't want to say I live in fear because I don't live in fear. I live in in a perpetual state of of the littlest bit of anxiety because when he texts me in the morning I'm relieved when he texts me before he goes to bed I'm relieved when I don't hear from him for 12 days I have anxiety the whole time and it's, it's really just that unknown and there isn't any special drink I can make that makes it go down any smoother other than just try not to watch the the news as much big things happen and you can't help it obviously especially if you want to stay informed on what's going on in the world but I don't watch the news every day I don't sit in front of it for six hours a day and you live you live with your you live with your kids you keep busy you do things that are meaningful to you that's why they're out there right so that exactly can do that and Um, When you said that before about if I don't go, then who will? It gave me chills because there's uh, a friend of ours. His son was Travis Manian. And and those were the words he said when he returned to Iraq. Mm -hmm. And he was a Marine. That sense, I think that a lot of whether you're an officer enlisted that you have, well, if I don't do it then who, who's going to do it. And, and so that's kind of like the motto of the Travis Manian foundation that's named after Travis gave me chills when you said that, because I think that is a pervading thought in a lot of the people who serve mm-hmm. and pivoting again, thank you for all that insight on, on deployments, because yes, I have, I have felt the range of emotions granted as a mom, mm-hmm. not as a spouse. Well, I think they're all inherently the same. You know, yeah. you love, you love them. You yeah. Yeah. Anytime, anytime you have a loved one, you know, whether it's a cousin or, you know, an uncle or your husband or your child. And, and I can say it from the spouse side that they join and he loves it and he's going to do it. My oldest, you know, has wanted to join the Marine Corps and they're all the same feelings, but I will say the thought of him joining is a very, very different feeling from my husband. I think it's, it's very interesting, like the d- dynamic between being a spouse and a parent. I always tell people, you know, my husband is my soulmate. We were high school sweethearts. We've been together for like 22 years or 23 years. So that's a long time. I'm 35. So that's a lot of, that's, that's more than half my life. Yes. Um, but I always tell people, you know, this man is, is my literally the other half of my soul, but my children are my heart walking outside my body. It's amazing. That's such a good way to put it. It really is. There, there are, they are pieces of me walking around the world. And I can't say that I hope he doesn't join because I look at his father's service and I'm overwhelmed sometimes by what he gives for our country and people don't see that. And so I can't imagine it from a parent standpoint. 
we were on the drill field. So we got to see parents come in and see the graduations and how proud they were. And like, I, I loved it. That was, I mean, obviously my favorite part of boot camp was watching the Marines graduate. <laughs> the families were just so proud. And as mine get older, the dynamic is different between having a spouse and a child. So I won't say I understand what it's like to have a child in because I don't yet. I can easily say embrace the suck because my husband's a grown man and he makes his own decisions. And if I want to be with him, then I have to support those decisions because I'm not going to force him to choose between right. me and a dream. But you're having your child join, I would imagine is... That it's like, it's your heart that's yeah. out there. And mm-hmm. I just remember deployments and, and you do, I, in a lot of the things that you've mentioned, I had to do to survive. One of my biggest mentors, Elaine Bry, she says, we're parents of warriors. We can't sit at home wringing our hands saying, oh my gosh, we have to stand strong and say, you know what? I have a kid who's trained, who mm-hmm. is really good at what he does. And he's going to go out there and and he's going to do it because he can, or she can. And that's like the attitude that got me through the deployments. Yeah. Um, It's that I want to make them proud of me. Like I want them, I want them to come home and be like, my mom didn't just melt. I didn't get away. (laughs) Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes a good cry on the toilet. You need it. Sometimes you got to get those emotions out, but really being a warrior in your own right. What am I going to do? Come to work and cry in a bucket? It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't do anything. It defeats the purpose of the sacrifice that your husband's making. Yeah. And it is, they signed up, they signed a contract and it's, it's a job that he loves. And I'm grateful that he loves his job. You know, everybody should love what they do. Go out there and just do your thing, you know, mix it up. It, and it's, again, it can be easier said than done, especially when you've never done it before. Or when you're you're stationed overseas and you mm -hmm. don't really know anyone in a country where they don't speak your language. So that, that I can attest to that. I did go to Japan for three weeks once when he was over there for 12 months, I got to go. People all the time are like, how do your kids not cry? Like their dad's leaving for six months and they don't cry. Mm -hmm. They give them a hug. They're like, bye dad. And then they go off and do their thing. And yeah. And they're just like, why? And I tell them all the time, we've made our life an adventure. Mm -hmm. So when dad leaves, guess what? We're going to go home. Greatest example, his fourth deployment, he went to Korea. We took him down. We dropped him off. We gave him a hug. I got a little teary eyed, won't lie. And then my best friend made us a huge pot of spaghetti, bought a whole gallon of ice cream and we spent the night watching Harry Potter, eating spaghetti and ice cream the whole <laughs> night. And we, the boys were like, you could tell they were just like, man, again, I was just like, Meh, you know, like in a mood. And then I went home and I woke up the next day and all right, guys, it's time for school. So we got ready. They went to school and then we planned whatever movie is coming out. We're going to have a movie date on Saturday. And so I started doing movie dates with my kids <laughs> and we, we go to the movies all the time. I will spend $75 every single week to go to the movies. And that's what it takes to get my kids through the deployment. So right. we, make, we travel, we go and see new things and there's not things that don't cost money. There's place, you know, there's hiking, there's beaches, there's things that you can right. do to really explore where you're at. So now I'd like to pivot again, OPSEC, uh, operational security, because when, when they deploy, it's really important to hold that information close to keep our loved ones who are serving and their platoon mates or their company mates or their shipmates or whatever mates uh, safe. 
So can you talk a little bit about why it's so important to observe OPSEC and not give away locations and times and information from your perspective? Because you've, you've had five deployments. You know, yeah, I, well, I think, you know, obviously the biggest reason is to make sure that the guys and girls are safe. You know, we don't want to, you don't want to give away willy-nilly um, information that could potentially put them at risk. You know, the other part of that is military don't play when it comes to operational security. There's been deployments where a wife has been like, my husband's going to be home on April 14th. And they were like, not anymore. We're not. And they extended the deployment. Oh, early. no, that's horrible. So don't be that person that blows it for everybody. Um, I've, I'm not even kidding. There's been straight times when people have been like, only 26 more days to go, hubby comes home from Afghanistan. And then they're like, just kidding, that doubled. Now it's 48 days until hubby comes home from Afghanistan. <laughs> oh, no. So, oh, no. so it, it is really, really important. You know, with Sick Daddy, we count, but we count up. So we'll say, like I say, 100, I think the last one I did was 145 days down. So I just count the days that he's been gone um, because generally they're never the same. We did, you know, 345 days when he was gone for 12 months. We do um, that kind of thing. So I generally don't, we don't count down because obviously that gives an exact date. But if you count up and you just count how many days they've been gone, you know, and it, it is, it is really important. And, you know, you don't want your child or your spouse to be that person that forces everybody to wait another month because you were like, oops. And, um, for example, I will tell you, I posted that picture of with stick daddy and I said 145 days down and, um, a girl, I, they like where I work. So they know obviously about when he's coming home, she posted underneath my thing and legit said only so many days left. And uh -huh. I, as soon as I got it, I immediately deleted it. And I texted her. I was uh -huh. like, and I just want to let you know on social media, we cannot put the exact days that like the exact date that they're coming home. And right. I had to explain to her, she has no military affiliation. Um, right. Her father is a police officer. So she does understand to an extent kind of in that aspect, but, and she, of course, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But at the end of the day, that's really, really important that, you know, location wise, people always ask me, well, where's your husband deployed? And I just say the Pacific, you know how big the Pacific is? It's pretty right. big. They like look out the window they're like like that pacific and i'm like sure and i knew the more specifics of it but i never hashtag like the name of the ship or like they want to know that they haven't just done this for no reason um and that who they're coming home to they're coming home to and that they're excited so don't ruin that by posting a date or the name of a ship or a location drop on tiktok or whatever oh, that is that is not yeah that would not be good yeah. So that's, so that's really important. I think that's the biggest. And maybe also setting expectations with like closer family members. Like... Yeah. And, and that's okay. You can always just say that he's going to be home in late spring or they're due to be home, um, you know, sometime before school starts right. or, you know, just a kind of a generalization of, of those things because, um, you know, and, and there's times where I straight up tell people I'm, I, they'll be like, when does he come home? And I won't respond. And then they'll do it again. When does he come home? And I won't respond. And then they'll message me mm -hmm. and they'll be like, uh, are you ignoring me? No, but I can't say his whereabouts on social media. Right. Nor am I going to. And so right. then, so really 
an expectation and, and people don't understand, especially people that aren't associated or don't under, they just don't get it. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, when are you guys going to come home? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know because we don't know. And, um, you know, and, and be mindful too, you know, if you're sailor or Marine, if they give you information, just keep it private military rumors spread so quickly. And if they, um, give out information, we had one, um, a board came out, a promotion board came out. It was something like the guy on the board knew one of the guys that was getting selected and mm-hmm. told it. And he, his wife went online and like congratulated her husband before the selection list came out. Oh my gosh. So guess what happened? The selection list was redone and was pushed out like two more months and he was not on it anymore. So be, be really mindful when you, when you hear information about the information you're talking about and the information that you're, you're giving to other people um, that, you know, if that gets out, what it can do. So it's uh, always better to hold it close. I think always better to and hold just it not, not, not say anything to anyone until, until it happens. Yeah. yeah. Until it happens and it's official. And then finally, Jess, thanks so much for your time. Um, just if you can, we talked about learning. So my, I wanted to kind of get your input from your perspective, you know, of your husband in the Marine Corps for 15 years, we talked about learning and how it's important for new officers to come in and really want to learn and find out and ask. What is one more thing that you think might be helpful for new officers to do or not do as they begin their career from, from your standpoint as, as an enlisted spouse? I really think listening. I think listening to your, to your guys, whether they're, I don't know the enlisted Navy ranks uh, by heart, but I'll say like Marine Corps wise, you know, if you have a Lance Corporal or you have a first Sergeant or a gunny, I think listening to your Marines, even if you don't agree with them, for example, uh, I'm a manager where I work. If we were going to make my work military office, it's kind of, I'm kind of like a warrant officer, right? I started enlisted, became into management, and now I am this officer And I have a good knowledge of how my people are feeling and how the things that I have to do in order to run my business. And I think sometimes there's kind of that disconnect where the management quote officers have a certain something that they're trying to do. And then you have, you have your enlisted or, you know, just your workers who maybe don't understand why we're doing it, but that, that little bit of communication or listening, granted it's different in the military because you tell somebody to do something, they're supposed to do it. When my husband back in the day was like a staff sergeant, he would, even as a gunny, he would have all this, all this knowledge. And I remember there was a captain who I know cap is different in the Marine Corps. Captain right, is right. the same captain in the Navy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would be like, I want to do it this way. And my husband would say, sir, I totally understand where you're coming from, but can I go ahead and, and show you this first? So maybe we can kind of work out some of these things. And so then they would kind of look through it. And then the captain was like, you know what? You're right. Let's do it that way. Or there's times where no, that doesn't fit like what we're doing. So that open-mindedness and communication, because like I said before, nobody's always right. And having a little bit of that willingness to kind of listen and take from other people, I think that's probably the biggest thing they can do. I think any, any sort of communication is always great because and I tell people at my job all the time, if there's something that happened, the odds are, I probably just didn't know. And if you just tell me now, I know. So Listening, listening, and, and that allows you to learn too. 
because you can't learn without listening anyway. So those are some great points. Thank you so much, Jess, for joining us today, for joining me today, and for all the insight and so valuable information that uh, I hope will help our Navy parents and maybe even some of our newly minted officers coming up in May. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of my USNA Midmoms and More podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on my website, usnamidmomsandmore.org under the My Podcast tab. You can also read my blog under the My Blog tab, where there are over 30 articles that I've written over this past several years for every stage of our Navy journey. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And you can also visit my Shop Navy tab where you will find my book, A USNA Mom's Journal, a guide to everything you need to know over the four years at the Naval Academy. And you'll also find some of my handmade crafts and personally designed and handcrafted items that show our Navy spirit. Please follow me on Instagram, USNA Med Moms and More, and on Facebook. There is a public page and there is a closed group for Navy parents. Thank you for being here. And I'm going to say go Navy and you need to say beat Army. Ready? Go Navy! Beat Army. Yeah, go Navy, beat Army.